I'm Carrick MacDonald, and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. This is the last in the series of programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s, in which local man David Jackson shares with us some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. Yeah. And we're talking about Rutherglen. Aye. Uh-huh. This is the great thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. I'm a keen Rutherglen historian, and mm. this is Rutherglen we're sure. talking about, you yeah. know. Sure. In this programme, David talks about the cafes that were in Rutherglen in the 1950s and tells us about the families that owned and ran those much-loved businesses. In this, our last episode of Rutherglen in the 1950s, we are going to talk about the seven cafes in central Rutherglen. We could quite easily name this talk the Italian Connection, because Rutherglen, like most other towns throughout Scotland, its cafes were almost completely run by Italian families. At this point, it should also be mentioned that during this period of the 1950s, most males didn't taste alcohol until they were called up to do national service at 18 years of age. Pubs were very much for older men. Even teddy boys went to cafes and youth club dances. And, of course, lounge bars for females hadn't even been invented. So other than the large city bakery tea room on the south side of Main Street, opposite the old churchyard, cafes were very much the place to go, whether it was summer or winter, especially for the younger generation. We will start on the south side of the Main Street at the Rio Cafe, which was situated at number 14 Main Street and was run by the Beyondy sisters. Vince and Marella, who to my knowledge were always single ladies and on occasion a younger brother helped out. The family lived in the tenement above the cafe which was entered by the close at number 12 Main Street. It was always a very popular cafe and well used of course. It only took the name Rio Cafe in 1935 when the newly built Rio Cinema opened nearby that year. Prior to this date, it was called the Glen Cairn Cafe, and of course only a few doors up at number 20 Main Street was the long-standing Glen Cairn Bar. The rear cafe closed in 1972, and the building was demolished not long after. We will stay on the south side of the Main Street and make our way up to the Central Cafe at number 190 Main Street. This cafe is said to date back to about 1900 and was owned by the Di Giacomo family, who also owned the Lucarno Cafe at the corner of Stonelaw Road and Hybra Avenue in Burnside. The cafe on Main Street was next door to the Grand Central Picture House which was erected in 1921. My earliest memory of this cafe was from about 1954, and I can only imagine that it had just been renovated because it was so American in style, all chrome and black leather with high, with big high stools of the same. It was in this cafe as a kid that I first saw a Knickerbocker glory. 
But with money tight and ration books still on the go, it was to be four more years before I ever got to taste one. The Grand Central Picture House closed in 1957 and by 1961 so had the cafe. Both were demolished that year. We will now carry on along the south side of the main street before turning right up Stonewall Road and making our way to the next corner at Greenhill Road and Stonewall Road where stood the Corner House Cafe. But no old Raglonian would know it by its official name because it was only ever known as Marie's Cafe. This cafe was owned by the Coya family who I must add owned another cafe at Farm Cross just 50 yards along Cambus Lang Road. But back to the one in question. On entering this cafe, one would be amazed at the truly massive size and to anyone of an observant nature, it was most obvious that this must have been a very large old pub in days gone by. And it was because up until that up until the year 1921 it was known as the Cathkin View owned and licensed by Mrs Isabella Dunn it was like liquor moved out and ice cream moved in on the same day the interior had never changed the long gantry with mirrors and the long dark oak bar remained until it closed in the 1960s I only ever remember Marie as an old woman. The Coya family lived across the road and up the hill in the cul-de-sac of Ruther Avenue. Although old Marie had a reputation, even then as standing for no nonsense whatsoever in her cafe, I am sure everyone who ever visited that cafe will remember a drink called a pink paraffin. So I will let them tell you what it tasted like. <laughs> a pink paraffin between you and I mm. was nothing more than a, a coloured, a strong coloured pink lemonade, fizzy lemonade. Mm -hmm. But the quaint mm. name of it to go in and ask oh, as a teenager, I'll have a pink paraffin. That was very exotic, I It was exotic. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard that name before? I have never have, never came across it. Yeah, I a pink paraffin. My best memory in that cafe was on Thursday night, the 5th of June, 1958, more than 60 years ago now. My primary school football team, St Column Kills, had won the Rutherland Primary School's Borough Cup at Southcroft Park, home of Rutherland Glencairn Juniors. And after the game, we carried the cup up Glasgow Road and all the way along the main street and up Stonelaw Road to Marie's Cafe, where the cup was filled with lemonade and all of us players were treated to a large cone before returning to our school in Greenhill Road. Going off topic for a moment, I asked David to tell us more about the Borough Cup. It was a primary school a football competition with a beautiful recup and it ran from 1910 until 1992 and um, the kids, everybody in this town knew about the Borough Cup boys it was their ambition 
to win a Borough Cup medal. Okay. And the fact is this, that these medals were uh, 18 karat gold and sterling silver, oh. made by McGregor, made by McGregor's the jewellers at the end of the main street and paid for by the council. And there was always a, a, a function and laid on whatever after it. In that final, we beat St Mark's Primary School by three, two, three goals to two oh. at Southcroft Park. <laughs> and the great thing was always the, the school, it was a great novelty. It was like the European, winning the European Cup. <coughs> we carried the cup up Glasgow Road, mm. up the main street. When I said we took the cup up there, it mm. was filled with lemonade. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we as kids yeah. were over the moon Absolutely. to pass it round. And our teacher bought us all a big, large cone. And mm -hmm. everything like that was a novelty. The cup was always in display on the main street before the competition started. Mm -hmm. And all ten primary schools in Rutherglen, I could name them, eh, entered the competition. It was keenly fought after mm. and keenly won. And if you had a Borough Cup medal, mm. I knew a man in this town who drank in the Black Bull when he was a growing man. And he always carried his six football school football medals with him. And they were good. And you know, some of them were bigger competitions, Glasgow competitions, mm. than the Borough Cup. And he would stand every Friday night in the bar of the Black Bull in Glasgow Road. And when he got a wee drink in him, he would pull his medals out of <laughs> his pocket. And he, this was quaint, mm. and he would say mm -hmm. with his finger point, and he'd say, that one there's the Borough Cup. Mm. That summed it up to oh, me. Wow. Good wee story. Aye. Sadly, this great competition, which was put up, by John Francis Givens, councillor in Rutherland, publican and spirit merchant, who owned the pub I've just mentioned, the Glencairn Bar. I wonder what happened to the cup. The cup today mm -hmm. uh, is, is in somebody's hands who keeps it underneath their bed. <laughs> and he's an ex-councillor. Right, okay. And it would take the police to get it off him. Okay, you know, hi. <laughs> David then finished off telling me about Marie's Cafe. When the cafe did close in the early to mid-1960s, it was converted into a car showroom by local businessman David Brodie and could probably have held eight, nine or ten cars. That is how big this cafe, previously pub, was. We will now head back down Stoneler Road and cross the main street to the north side, where at number 243 Main Street was the Cross Cafe. I don't know how old this cafe was, but I once saw a photograph taken in the early 1920s and the cafe was in it. Certainly from the early 1950s, this cafe was owned by Miguel Cacosa. I'm Carrick MacDonald and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the two towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this last programme, in the series about Rutherland in the 1950s, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. In this programme, he's talking about the town's cafes. Miguel was born in Rome and very much a football fanatic, but not Scottish football. Only all teams Italian and he could name all the players of all the teams. Miguel ran the cafe for about 50 years and during that time he lived in a house above it which was entered by the close at 
241 Main Street, next to the cafe. The cafe itself was small and tight and remained in its original condition up until 1963, when he had an extension built at the back and finally modernised it. As I say, Miguel ran the cafe up until about the late 1990s, before selling it and returning to Rome as an old man of about 80 years of age. When Italian teams did come to Scotland, he would try his best to get a ticket. He yeah. could get a ticket and he would go and see teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the conversion of, I can give the exact date of the mm -hmm. conversion of his cafe mm -hmm. after all those years, it was early 1963 because I worked in it. I was mm -hmm. an apprentice electrician and I worked at the conversion and his extension at the was back. Right, yeah. And him, me being a football fan myself, him and I blethered away like mad mm -hmm. and I really got to know, mm -hmm. you know, the... He gave 50 years of his life to that cafe and then at the end, like, you know, maybe lots of people do in a foreign country mm -hmm. returned. Went back to the old country. Ah, he must have been about 80 years of age mm -hmm. and went back to the old country. Mm -hmm. Now we must make our way down the north side of the main street before turning right into Queen Street where at number 66 Queen Street was Willie Bertolaccini's cafe. Only some 30 yards from what in those days was Rutherland's railway station. Sure, one couldn't imagine a cafe being much of a success in this quiet street today, but that's because there hasn't been a railway station in Queen Street since about 1980. The Bertolaccini family lived across the street from the cafe, in the last close on that side of the street. Wally and his wife had two of a family, Alfredo or Alfie, and a daughter named Carmela. The cafe was small, but even today, 2018, the Bertolaccinis are still remembered for their famous homemade tablet. Wally famous for his tablet. Really true. Right. People today still will tell you, oh, Wally Bertolaccini's tablet. I've spoke to two men lately, and the first thing they say is, was Wally's tablet. The cafe closed about 1956 or 57 and my own best memories are of always seeing old Willie sitting on the seats up and down the main street when he was an old man. I actually worked my very first job with Willie's son, Alfredo, mm -hmm. or Alfie as we called him. In fact, you know, to this day I can recite his full name, Alfredo Angela Davani Bertolaccini. Yes, <laughs> <Good for you. laughs> quite a nom de plume, you know. Mm. Um, but he would uh, he would go on about the cafe. So, nice. uh, albeit I was never in that cafe, uh, the only one I wasn't in, Alfie went on about his dad's cafe, mm. and I knew his dad and his sister Carmela mm -hmm. to see about the street. And again, as I said, mm. I I always kind of looked out for old Willie when he was old and retired mm. and gave up the cafe, he would always sit about the main street in, in different seats and you would see him there, which was my fond memory of yeah. him. Heading back up Queen Street, we take a right turn on reaching Main Street and head only 50 yards on the north side of that street to number 79 and the Clark's Cafe. This was the only cafe in Rutherglen 
in the 1950s that wasn't run by an Italian family. I don't know how long the Clarks had been in Rutherland, but they were country people who resided from Straven in the parish of Avondale, some 15 miles away. The males in this family were all very tall, and you could tell they were country folk because they all had wonderful fresh rosy cheeks and fair complexions. I do know they still had a Straven connection even in the early 1950s because members of this family resided beside me and all the boys about my age always had fresh fruit, apples, pears and big bags of gooseberries when all of us other families rarely saw fruit. The cafe itself was very much like the rest of the cafes I have already described. It was old and in its original condition. They didn't do five or ten year renovations in those days. What I remember was that on entering the cafe, the floor sloped down the way, as though you were going downhill. Ask anyone today what they remember about Clark's Cafe, and I am sure they will say the dig deeps. <laughs> and this simply consisted of a big bowl of marifat peas in a hot bray which you put black pepper on, and then with a large soup spoon you dug deep. Mm. And the first thing they said about Clark's Cafe, the dig deeps, mm -hmm. big spoon. <laughs> you know, this, you know, really, I'm glad I emphasised there Aye. the simplicity of life. Of course. Oh, the simplicity of the 1950s. Dig deeps, homemade tablet, pink paraffins, and of course, Macallum, a kind of raspberry sauce which was offered to you in every cafe whenever you bought an ice cream or a cone. Heading for our final destination, we cross the main street to the south side and head up Mill Street, keeping on the left-hand side of that street until you reach number 85 Mill Street and Sam's Cafe, which was near the corner of that street and Clinker Hill Road. This cafe was owned by the Marzella family and the father's Christian name was Saluatore, so don't ask me how it got called Sam's Cafe. The cafe itself was set in a red sandstone tenement building, which I would imagine was erected about 1910, and the interior of the cafe was on two levels, a ground level and a raised kind of balcony level, which you entered by climbing about five wooden steps. Sometime about 1959 or 60, this cafe fell into the hands of another Italian family called Tommy, spelled T-O-M-E. Josephine Tommy, and from then on until the building was demolished about 1972, it was then always called Josie's Cafe. What I must say before finishing off is that being taken into a cafe by your parents or going along to the cafe at night with your teenage friends in the 1950s was very much considered a luxury.
unlike today where kids go into a coffee shop almost every other day of the week. Cafes were very much the thing. As I said, they truly were very much the thing, but by the same token, people could not be in them every day of the week. Um, but these people, some of these families, the De Giacomos mm -hmm. and the Bertolaccinis <clears throat> and the Coyers, were long-standing in Rutherland. Others maybe not so long. Mm -hmm. And as I say, I don't know how long the, the Clarks were in Rutherland, but they certainly still had their Straven connection. I suppose my favourite cafe was um, the Rear Cafe because Aye. it was at the west end of the town. Mm -hmm. And um, um, if any, that was Aye. the one I most went about. That was your local one, right? Yes, but I should have added that I was in every one of these cafes, with the exception of Willie Bertolaccini's at 66 Aye. Queen Street, mm -hmm. which kind of uh, uh, went out the game round about 1956. I don't recollect being in it, but I knew the family well. Life was very much simpler, mm -hmm. and people were great, grateful for things. To go into class and get a dig deep was a novelty, mm. black pepper on it, or to go and get Willie's tablet. Men have told me, two men, Joe McCabe said to me, David, his tablet is great. John ha Hampson said to me, oh, you should have tasted the tablet, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the same even when you think back now, just getting McCallum, as it was called in the days. Would you like McCallum? Aye. Raspberry yeah, sauce. Aye. That was a novelty. Aye, that's the end of this series of programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s. Here's David with some final thoughts about the programmes. Over the piece, this has been a good wee history. I said to you, I said, Gary, I would like to do one in the 50s because there's a lot in my mm -hmm. head and... It's turned out there is aye, isn't it? They're going down well. Are they? Aye, so are here. One yeah. man stopped me in the street, mm -hmm. a guy I know, and mm -hmm. he told me, do you know that goes all over the world, mm -hmm. Cam Glenn? I went, yeah. no, never heard of <laughs> And I've not got the mm -hmm. wavelength, I've not got time to go no, in no, it. Quite, but, uh, but just good to know that I was, it's I was, on the go. It's out there, it's, it's getting, getting like, listened to. That's good. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Many thanks to David Jackson for talking to me about Rutherglen in the 1950s and to Zen Boyd of Rutherglen Heritage Centre for her help and support. The music was by Sugar Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email, history at camglenradio.org. I hope you enjoyed that programme and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Ruglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. Radio is an amazing medium. It can inspire, entertain, inform and connect people. This station, Cam Glen Radio, is run by a dedicated, passionate and committed team of volunteers and you can be one of those volunteers too. It doesn't matter if you're an experienced broadcaster or if you've never set foot in a studio in your life. 
we provide all the training and support that you need to do what you want to do. And it's a great way of making new social connections, learning new skills, expanding on your CV, and just having loads of fun. So to find out more about volunteering with Cam Glenn Radio, just email volunteering at healthynhappy.org.uk. You're listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you'll hear the sounds of Dune Ponds Nature Reserve. <laughs> 